Life Audio. God has called himself a God who provides. God is a God who says, I will give you room. And we can believe that God will bring us into spacious places, places where we feel at peace, places where we find rest. This may be an actual physical place. More likely, it's an emotional place. It's a spiritual place where even when the world may feel like it's spinning out around you, you can have a quiet center and a settled place in your heart where God dwells, where you know that all is going to be well, and that even this difficult storm that you're in will pass, and that you can trust God with your life. That's what I mean by a spacious place. That's what God gives us in salvation. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. We are in a series called God of Our Fathers, and we've been looking at a little bit of the story of Abraham's life, and now we're looking at the story of Isaac's life. God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob over and over again in Scripture, referred to both in the Old and New Testament. And what we see here in what God is doing is establishing his covenant with his people and bringing that covenant from grandfather to father to son all the way down Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God's chosen people is created. And this becomes the Israelites. And then the story continues from here. And although the story is a historical reality, we're looking at real history. It's also a type, a allegory that helps us understand what God did through Jesus Christ and how we are now this living body of Christ, that we are the new Israel as believers, Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free, whoever we are, Galatians 3.20, we're all one in Christ Jesus. But this is really our background. This is our history and our ancestry when we talk about these stories from Scripture. So we're in the book of Genesis talking about Isaac. And today, I really, before we get into our Scripture, just want to embrace, if you've been reading through the story in Genesis and moving through these few chapters, I just want to take a moment to embrace the very human aspect of these stories. Like, there's just a lot of humanity. And what humanity means to me is mistakes. People going their own way, doing their own thing. And even though these are the names that God puts behind his name when he talks about his covenant. These are men who made mistakes, who who had patterns of sin in their life, who, although trusted God, also didn't trust and did a lot of things that weren't right. And yet God still uses them. And that alone is a comfort when you think about your own story. If you're deeply in touch with all the ways that you've gone sideways, all the things that you still struggle with, all the problems or generational sin that's continued patterns in your family, all of that, that is all in scripture, my friend. And we see God still faithfully showing up again and again. And we see that God works in people who are available to him and people who trust him, not people who do everything right, not people who are necessarily righteous, not people who always obey, but really God seems to look for those who have hearts inclined toward him. And more than anything else, I think that's what we can get out of these scriptures. But I do want to go to our next little piece of the Isaac story. Last week, we talked about Isaac coming on the scene. He basically is a key character in this massive story of God telling Abraham to to sacrifice Isaac. And 
we just have to know that Isaac has that memory. He knows that that happened. He's seen God provide for him. And in a lot of ways, Isaac is sort of a secondary figure between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have a lot about Abraham. We're going to hear a lot about Jacob and Jacob's wrestling through his own identity and his own calling. But Isaac is kind of a secondary figure. There's not like a whole bunch about him, but we know that he's important. He continues the lineage. And I think we'll see here how he is a part of a larger narrative that's really important. And God, again, affirms and reaffirms his covenant through Isaac. So we're in Genesis 26, verses 22 through 25. He, this is Isaac, he moved on from there and dug another well And no one quarreled over it. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the story in just a moment. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Okay, so what does it say? Let's talk about what this says. Obviously, if we're reading through this passage, we should have a lot of questions. We should be going back in context and making sure we understand what's kind of going on in chapter 26 as we get into the story, because we kind of enter into a very practical thing that's playing out. Isaac is settling in the land, and as he does so, he's becoming very wealthy. He's getting more and more flocks, more and more people. His his sort of footprint is getting larger, and it's bothering the people around him. And so we start to see kind of some quarreling going on among the people, among the Philistines, the place that he is actually at. And so he's getting into a scarcity situation where people are wrestling over land, over wells, over who owns what, over who has wealth. And it's very human. It's a very human thing. You see, Isaac is just doing what God has called him to do, which is he's settling in the land and he's being fruitful. And in doing so, there's conflict. And that's a part of all of our story is that there's just the practical outworkings of our life when we commit to Christ and we say, I'm going to live my life on purpose for God. We shouldn't expect it to be conflict free because that's not what we see anywhere, anywhere in scripture and really anywhere in history and anywhere in our own evidence of our own lives. Just because you have a struggle, just because there's conflict around you does not mean that you are outside of God's favor. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org study. 
Again, that's give.cru.org study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So as we continue in the backstory, and if you look back in Genesis chapter 26, you're going to hear a little bit more about this working out of Isaac's life that's happening earlier in the chapter. It says that there was a famine in the land. So there is a is an actual time of scarcity going on. But God, again, confirms his covenant with Isaac and says, I'm telling you to stay in this land. This is in verse three. Sojourn in this land. I will be with you. I will bless you. I will multiply your offspring. He continues this covenant that he's already promised to Abraham, and he reaffirms it with Isaac that what's happened through his father will continue to happen through him. And then in the bulk of the chapter, we read about all of the quarreling and all the things that are happening as Isaac just tries to be obedient to what God has told him to do. But Isaac is not a perfect character in this story, just like his father Abraham. He's not perfect. And one of those things that we see playing out is both Abraham and Isaac fall prey to being scared about their wives' beauty and lying about their wife and their wives and what that means. And so earlier in the chapter in Abraham's story, we didn't even talk about this, but in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is traveling to to go where God has told him to go. And it says that he tells Sarah, his wife, to say you're my sister so that people don't kill me over you because you're beautiful. It goes as far as to say that Sarah was actually taken into the Pharaoh's palace taken into his household, presumably into his concubine. And then God himself intervened. He put a plague on Pharaoh's home. He basically was like, this woman is causing you problems. Give her back to her actual husband. And so God intervenes on Sarah's behalf. That happens. And then Abraham does it again. He lies again as he enters into Abimelech's house. And he does the same thing. He says, Sarah, say you're my sister. And again, God intervenes. God intervenes in a dream to the king and says, this is not, this is a righteous man's wife, like wife, give her back. So Isaac does the same thing in Genesis chapter 26. It says Isaac also lies to Abimelech. It's probably not the same guy. It's probably his son or grandson, but this would be a king in the land that Isaac was in. And so he, this is a time of conquest where it's really martial law out there. I mean, it's the Wild West. It's just the Middle East, but it's the Wild West. There's no police. There's no law. So people who have power can conquer other tribesmen. And so obviously, like, if you can take a family and you kill the the father, the patriarch, and you take everyone in as slaves, you take all the wives, kill all the men, take all their livestock, then you basically have acquired that property. So that would be a normal thing. It would be really important to establish peace, establish treaties with powerful people. And so this is one of those situations where Isaac is scared because Rebecca is beautiful. And he says, hey, say you're my sister. It's kind of true. So We see in Isaac's story, in Abraham's story, and we'll see it in Jacob's story, this pattern of lying for self-protection. And this is really, in a lot of ways, is 
a way of not trusting God, right? So like, if you're not being righteous with what God's given you, then in a lot of ways, you're not trusting God. So we see that although these guys had hearts for God, and that's very clear that they're worshiping God, that they're listening to God, that they're desiring to follow him, they also fall short again and again. And there's pain in their families because of these situations that they've caused. We see in the story of Isaac, as we continue, that Rebecca, his wife, manipulates him, that they play favorites with their children, Esau and Jacob, that Rebecca participates in getting Jacob to lie and manipulate the blessing and birthright that was due to Esau out of Isaac. So the father blesses the firstborn with the property, a blessing on his life, and Jacob actually deceives His father pretends to be Esau when Isaac is old and blind and in doing so, like basically steals Esau's birthright. So we see a lot of human family dysfunction playing out in these stories. It's not always all obedience. It's not all holiness and righteousness. Yes, there's these bright spots where God speaks to these men and they respond and they're obedient, but they also mess up quite a lot. And I think that's really important for us to know as human beings that we have to deal with pain that is caused by other people's sin. And we have to deal with pain that's caused by our own sin. And yet we have a God of grace who says that he promises to create spacious places in our lives. And really, I'd love to kind of circle around that concept that in this passage that we read, it says, Isaac actually says, the Lord has given us room we will flourish in this land. And that whole concept of the Lord has given us room reminds me of this other phrase that is often used in scripture, and particularly in the Psalms, called a spacious place. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So in Psalm 118, verse 5, it says, When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. And I think that a place where we are most likely to sin, to fall out of a pattern of trusting God and of following God, 
is anytime we get into a scarcity mindset. Anytime we think that there's not going to be enough for us, that someone's going to come take what we have, that God is not actually going to provide, that God is not trustworthy to make sure that we're going to be okay. And we see this in Abraham and Isaac when they lie about their wives, right? That there's a sense of like, ooh, these guys, someone's going to take what's mine. So I've got to protect it in my own strength. I've got to do my own thing to protect it. And I think that just a world of anxiety exists in us when we believe that we have to protect our stuff and protect what we have. We have to protect our image. We have to protect our success. We have to protect our money. We have to protect our possessions. And when we do so, we become small people and we lose track of a God who says that I will make a spacious place for you. Now, I'm in no way advocating to be you know, sort of silly with your stuff or not to be shrewd or sensible because God also gives us a mind to be wise. And we have a whole book of Proverbs, which maybe we'll study together that gives us tons of practical wisdom about the way to live. Like, you don't just like throw your money on the sidewalk and say, well, whoever gets it, gets it because God provides for me unless like in some random way, God's asked you to do that. But I doubt it. I mean, most of the time God calls us to be people of wisdom who are sensible and shrewd with the way we live. However, there's a big difference between being a person of wisdom and being a person of a scarcity mindset who is self-protective and thinks about all the ways that people are out to get what's yours, because that removes us from this spirit of generosity and open heart and open handedness that God's called us to. God has called himself a God who provides God is a God who says, I will give you room. And we can believe that God will bring us into spacious places, places where we feel at peace, places where we find rest. This may be an actual physical place. More likely, it's an emotional place. It's a spiritual place where even when the world may feel like it's spinning out around you, you can have a quiet center and a settled place in your heart where God dwells, where you know that all is going to be well, and that even this difficult storm that you're in will pass, and that you can trust God with your life. That's what I mean by a spacious place. That's what God gives us in salvation. When we say yes to Jesus, Jesus actually dwells with us. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so we have a roommate in our soul. We have the Holy Spirit. And scripture tells us the the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth, that the Holy Spirit will comfort us, will counsel us, will intervene for us. So we've got this person in the Holy Spirit who is with us in our life, who's dwelling with us, and that can be a very spacious place in our soul. So what does this mean for us? When I think about Abraham and Isaac, their humanity and how this story plays out of God being faithful to his promises again and again, I just think God is faithful even when we mess up. Like these stories, and they go on through all the Old Testament and the New Testament, is that God is faithful even when we mess up. And we can trust that God is faithful to us and that he's not withdrawing his blessing when we mess up, that If our hearts are available to him, if we're soft towards what God wants for us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 3.16. We can trust that promise that we can keep coming back to God, that every day is a new day to experience the spacious place of God's grace for us, of God's love for us, of his purpose for us. 
And the thing I would take away from this also is that the priority is our availability. Are you available to God? Do you put God's plans in front of your own? Do you show up each morning thinking, God, what you want is more important than what I want and what you want leads to spacious places. So I'm going to trust you in the everyday of life. And in the story of Isaac, we see Isaac trusting God in the everyday of life, messing up, but doing what God said to do. And God told him, dwell in this land, be here, be fruitful. And that's what Isaac does. And so he continues the promise of God through to his descendants, as we'll see in the story of his son, Jacob. So I thought we could close with a simple prayer. Just what does this mean for me? What can I take from this? And if your desire is be is to be available to God, if in the midst of all of your worries and concerns and all the things that are unanswered in your life, if your highest priority, though, is to say, I want to be available to God today, then I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me. God, make me aware of your presence, available for your interruptions, purposeful on my path, and restful in the spacious place of your grace. Amen. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hi, friend. Are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.